And I like to break from that bubble and just kind of like, I want to touch, every day I try to touch three people. That's my goal. You know, being a Middle Eastern American, you know, you're not proud of that, especially with, you know, terrorist attacks and, and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, it was, it, was, it was difficult growing up here in the States. And I have this written on my notebook. I have this journal uh, for swimming. It says, happy swimmer, fast swimmer. It was the first thing I opened it up. It says, happy swimmer, fast swimmer. And I had to take a step back to realize, hey, Azad, you got to be happy. So that success disappears, but happiness never disappears. But I guarantee you, everybody in this world has some type of hard time or going, they're going through something. No one's really, really, really happy. If you're really happy, then there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> Write it, use your senses, all your senses, and then keep it close to your heart. And I guarantee you're gonna achieve that goal. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. Before we get started with this week's episode, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in, watching, listening. It means that you want to do something cool with your life, and we're all about helping you. That's why I bring these amazing guests over and over to you. Um, I want to hear from you guys. We now have listeners, 40, 50 countries all over the world. But I want to know what are you struggling with? What is your big fat dream and how are you doing? So reach out to me on Instagram at Peter Jumrukowski or email me at info at ilsuccess.com. As you know by now, um, my mission is to help at least 10 million people in 10 years to go after their dreams. And uh, I can't do it myself, so make sure to share this story uh, with someone that needs to hear it so we can keep helping more and more people go after their dreams because it is an amazing journey. This week, I sit down with a friend and fellow athlete that has dedicated his life to the art of swimming and the pursuit of excellence. He represented Syria in the men's 100-meter breaststroke at the 2012 and 2006 Summer Olympics in London and Rio, and is now fighting for his last Olympic dream at the Tokyo Olympics. We meet a man with a lot of heart, dedication, and an awesome smile <laughs> at the end of closing a huge chapter in his life and opening a new one. Let's welcome Azad Albarazi to the I Love Success podcast. Thank you, Peter. Thanks yeah. for having me. You know... Super happy to meet you. And uh, uh, speaking about your smile, the first time I met you, the, the only thing that I remember was your smile. Uh, Have you heard that before? No. Uh, so I think a smile is amazing, right? It's how it's a great way of connecting with people. So I'm curious, how, how's your personality before we get into being an athlete and all of that stuff? You know, um, People tell me I have such a great and energetic personality. Um, you know, I am six foot six. I'm a tall guy, big hands. Like I got big features. Like you know, the typical Middle Eastern, big nose, big <laughs> lips. You know, and I guess yeah, my smile shines uh, around people. Uh, even my girlfriend, friends. Every time I go to the grocery store, I just like I just love talking to people. I love just you know, just connecting with people no matter what it is like hey how's your day going and just smiling and saying hi you know we live in this society let's just like go 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 and social media and this bubble 
And I like to break from that bubble and just kind of like, I want to touch, every day I try to touch three people. That's my goal. By even just smiling, saying hi, or just brighten someone's day by just doing some a kind thing. That's so, awesome. I yeah. love that. Uh, touching three people. And I think that it's so important that we stop because we, we see this, everybody's on their phones all their time. We're so connected that we're fucking disconnected. Uh, so love that. Were you curious as a kid? I was very curious. You know, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I was, I was born there. And then we moved to the U.S. when I was almost around nine, nine years old. And tell you the truth, I never played video games. I was always out and about going to dumpsters, looking for electronics, taking electronics out, figuring things out. Always, I was always very curious, climbing trees, going on roofs, seeing how things work. So video games were, I literally sat my sat and watched my brother video, play video games. And I was like, this is not for me. So yeah, I was very curious growing up. Always asked a lot of questions and always figured like, oh, how does this radio work? I found an old radio and took it apart and was very into things like that. So I love that. And I think the uh, reason why I'm asking you this is I meet a lot of athletes that are you have your own unique journey that we're going to share. And I think curiosity is one of the main factors why certain people actually go and do a little bit uh, things that are out of the ordinary, right? So what do you remember from uh, growing up in Saudi Arabia? Do you have any cool memories or good memories you want to share with us? Yeah, uh, we lived in a pretty much an American compound. So we weren't with the Saudis. Uh, my dad was working for a computer, an American company. And, um, you know, I remember life was very simple there. He wasn't uh, as stressful as coming to the U.S., uh, maybe because I was a kid and didn't have responsibility. But uh, going to school, all boys school, it was an English Arabic school, um, you know, wearing the galabiye, going to school. And, and, you know, we had that tradition and but it wasn't very, like like I said, nothing popped up too much. I remember um, playing soccer all the time in the, in, the, in the front of our field. There's just like undeveloped big land. And, you know, we had these three good friends, one from England, one from Australia, and one from America. And those were my really close friends that I grew up with, besides my school friends. Uh, but it, to tell you the truth, not too much memory kind of grabs and yeah. gaps, you know, in my brain, but, you know, just simple life, maybe because I was a kid, yeah. you know, no responsibility, just go to school and, <laughs> and make sure I do my homework and eat dinner. And <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so what did you, do you remember what, what you dreamt about at that time or when you were a kid, did you have any specific dreams? I tell you the truth, I don't. You know, those years were kind of blurred to me because we moved so fast and yeah. we came here. Um, I, I tell you the truth, never thought I would be an Olympic athlete. Never thought I would be a swimmer. You know, born in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, when there's no water, really the nearest water was a couple thousand miles with the Red Sea. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I can't really recall any memories or dreams I've had or goals. Awesome. Yeah, I want to dig more into that. So you come here, you're eight years old. Uh, what are your memories of coming to, to the U.S.? Like, how did that feel, coming to a completely new country, a new culture? It was, uh, it was shocking, cultural shock, don't get me wrong. You know, even though we went to an American English Arabic school, and, and, but 
it happened so quick and I'm not going to get into details why we moved in here to the US. It was just family and family needed us and we literally packed up and came within two months. And so it happened so quick. Um, but it was definitely a cultural shock, especially for my mother. You know, she had to cover up the whole time and she had to work under the table and kind of hide herself because Saudi Arabia was not much women's rights. And then coming here and greeting all my family members and we had to deal with this family issue. But it was a lot, you know, my English wasn't as the strongest, just even though coming in as a, English as a second language. Uh, and then with the Middle East problems, the Gulf War, and then September 11th after that, it, it was it was a lot. And my identity, who I was, it was I was hidden. You know, I, I wanted to be a white male. I wanted to be a white kid with blonde hair, blue eyes. That was my child. That's all I remembered. I wanted to be like that kid sat next to me in school. You know, and tell you the truth, until around college, that's when I really took the pride of who I am. It took that long for me to, because with, you know, it is with everything what's going on in the world and, you know, being a Middle Eastern American, you know, you're not proud of that, especially with, you know, terrorist attacks and, and, and so on and so forth. You know, it was, it was, it was difficult growing up here in the States. I understand that. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Do you, how did you work on that? Like when was the shift coming? Because this is, what you're facing, a lot of people are facing, uh, like we're, a lot of times we are, sometimes we're ashamed of who we are. Sometimes we are afraid what other people are going to think if we show our true colors or uh, we just want to fit in. So I think this is a great conversation. Do you remember what you did to kind of own yourself or has that something to do with becoming an athlete or... So 2008 Olympics trials, I missed the Olympic team for the U.S. And my head coach at University of Hawaii told me, you're from a Middle Eastern country. You should go represent them. And I was thinking about it and I was like, how can I represent Syria? And I was like, am I ready to put that on the map on my shoulders? And the swimming career, you know, we will we'll probably talk about it later. But that's pretty much when I really took pride where I'm from. You know, I was like, I'm going to represent Syria at the Olympics because that was the goal of mine to go to the Olympics. And when I went there as a, as a young adult, that's when I took more pride in seeing how beautiful the country was and how, you know, what people thought of us wasn't, yeah. you know. And, and I think that's probably like end of, probably going to say fall of 2008 yeah. is when I really took pride where I'm from. Yeah. I love that. And, and I think it's so... We're, it's so easy for us as human beings to judge and say things and we haven't never even been to a country or we never even met the person. Yeah. So it, I think it's, that's why I love the world and I see myself as a citizen of the world, right? Because there's, I don't care where you're from, man. Yeah. I care if you're a good human being. Yeah. And that's what's most, most important to me. So when did you start swimming? I started swimming, we moved to the U.S. in 96, and, you know, I have one older brother and two younger sisters, four of us, and we had a lot of energy. And we had a local pool right down the street from us, a summer league pool. So we would go to school, we went, I went fifth grade, and then between fifth and sixth grade, 
So I was like maybe nine and a half, ten years old. My parents put us in water polo, diving, swimming, basketball, and baseball at that summer league. <laughs> and for some reason, the aquatics just kind of like stuck to me. Yeah. And every year I did my summer league there. And if you knew anything about swimming, swimmers start out at like seven, eight years old, full time. You know, every day, twice a day. That's called age group swimming. So my swimming career was late. I didn't literally learn how to do the proper techniques, swimming goggles, cap, diving off the block to probably ninth grade high school. So I was a kind of a late bloomer. And we did those throughout the summer just to get energy out of us. My parents to make us get us, you know, active. Did you like it? I loved it. Yeah. I loved the water. I you know, basketball was cool. My dad played basketball. My volleyball. My mom played volleyball. Baseball wasn't the thing. It was too boring sitting around and just waiting for your turn. But the something about water, something about that element is just I was hooked. Yeah. I was hooked and I couldn't wait for every summer. Couldn't wait. I was so excited for every summer. Like mom put us in all of them, diving, water polo, swimming. And my brother met these Peruvian. We, I used to skate all the time. And he, he uh, met these Peruvian skaters and they joined the swim team to be better surfers. They were surfers. And of course, younger brother wants to be like older brother. My brother joined the swim team at nine years old. I was in seventh grade. He's two years older than me. And I was like, I'm going to swim. I'm going to join because he's doing it. I'm going to do it. And that's where my swimming career started. I joined Taft High School's swim team my freshman year and then I transferred to El Camino and by 10th 11th grade that's when I started taking it seriously that's when I started I joined a club team and literally learned the proper swimming techniques and you know and everything was history yeah, that's that's amazing and, and I'm curious to see for, because when I started karate my father was my coach and I I never even thought about competing it was fun I loved it and then somehow I started competing and I started liking to compete. Do you, do you remember when that moment came from like, hey, I, I love swimming, I love the water until you're like, hey, I fucking love winning too. Uh, I wasn't the greatest swimmer. Yeah. And uh, like, uh, I, I lost a lot. I lost a lot. So it wasn't the winning aspect or the competing aspect that drove me. It was just getting up in the morning at 5 a.m. and hopping in that cold pool. And that feeling you get out, you know, after two-hour practice, that euphoric feeling, that, that high you get. And everybody just starting their day. You know, I'm done by 7 and I'm going to school while everybody is just getting up and getting ready to go to school. I'm just like, I'm a badass. I just finished two-hour practice. What you did before, you know? That feeling is where it drove me to, to be, to kind of continue swimming. And then I, when I got a little better, you know, and it's always us athletes, we always, we're anything. We always want to be better no matter what we do. And that's what's, what drove me, you know, it's like everybody looked at me like, oh man, you're tall, you're lanky, you're, you know, you have long arms, big, you know, big feet, you should be good. And that what kind of drove me, I'm like, I should be good, but I wasn't good. You know, I'm just like, why wasn't I good? And then I just put the effort in, put the dedication in, you know, and, and by probably 11th grade, that's when things started clicking. I started winning races and I dropped tremendous time. And I'm just like, man, this is actually, 
I could take this to college, you know, like the dream of getting a full scholarship at a Division One at school. So yeah, by tenth, by junior year of high school. That's awesome, and I think I think it's interesting, like it's the love of doing something right and the feeling uh, of just showing up and then some it clicks right and i think a lot of people what makes me sad uh, people that i meet and they ask me peter how did you do this and that i mean i wasn't good i just kept going for a long time and then it clicked most people quit too early like what what why do you think uh, people quit too early so they never actually see that click, you know? There's, I think, two, two options. People get burnt out, and that's what, in the swimming world, yeah. you know, you start at such a young age, like seven years old, and your parents are grinding you, and you're grinding. Swimming is a demanding sport. You know, you train so hard and so much for such a fraction of a second. And sometimes you, you, you drop a lot of seconds, sometimes you gain a lot of seconds, you're like, what, what did I do wrong? You know, and that burnout. So that's one case as a burnout. Another case, I guess, you know, it's just people just give up. People just think that, oh, this is not for me. You know, just in, not, just, not just in sports, in, in career-wise too. People go into a career and, and you know, and they don't see success. You know, they do six months, seven months, eight months, year, uh, and then they don't see the success. And, and that's when you know, we're going to probably dive into this is the mental aspect of it and, and trusting and believing and, and, you know, knowing that everything you're doing is going to pay off eventually in, in the long term, no matter what you do. And that's, you know, that case B, the people that just give up, those are the people that maybe we need to touch and kind of like, don't give up. Don't give up, you know, think there, the light at the end of the tunnel, you'll see it, you'll get there. It might take a couple years, you know, it took me a couple years to, to break this barrier that I'm stuck in or a couple years to qualify for the Olympics. That's why it's a four year cycle. Yeah. You know, if it's every year, yeah. you know, and there'll be new people shining all the time because no one, no one's great every year. We have our ups and downs. I love that. And, and I think uh, speaking about the mental aspect, I'm big into mindset. And I think a lot of us martial artists have a great mindset. But I, I admire swimmers because doing all that work underwater and it's just for a guy like me, it's just back and forward, <laughs> back and forward for hours and hours, four, four or five hours every day. So how... How do you set yourself up for that to just kind of, this is just what I got to do. Like what's going on through your mind when you're swimming? Nothing. To tell you the truth, when I'm in the, in the water, in that pool, it's my thinking tank. You know, it's like whatever's happening on land, when I'm walking, stress, bills, test, whatever you got, like whatever stage of your life, you know, girlfriend doesn't like you in high school or you're you're the loser in high school or you know or your midterms or for me as an adult right now like bills when i'm in that water everything goes away everything goes away it's just me my thoughts my breathing and and we just go and the program i train at, at usc with 30 different olympians under dr dave salo um it's an intense program you don't have time to think you don't have time to think. We wear fins and paddles and just go all out all the time. 
and his philosophy, he's a genius. Uh, old school used to be old, uh, old school swimming, just back and forth, back and forth. But he took that instead of doing like six 400s, right? He took that six 400s and said, okay, why are we doing back and forth, back and forth swimming? And he's a doctor, doctor in physiology, by the way. Um, he said, let's break it up to do two 100s followed by six 50s. It still equals the 400, but he took the intensity and put it way high. So when I'm in that water, we don't have really time to really think of what's going on, what's everything. You're thinking about holding technique, getting that mind tough, because his philosophy is get you tired, take the equipment off, and then you swim fast, because that's where braces are won and lost, right? There's no secret in swimming. There's no secret in swimming. Everybody's training. Everybody's working hard. Everybody's doing, eating right. Everybody's doing something right. But where is the secret? is up here, the mind. Who has that mental capacity to hold their technique, to be able to lunge forward or stroke forward? But you gotta look at that and just life. Who has that mental capacity to be able to do whatever they're doing? And we're, gonna, we're talking about swimming, is to hold that stroke to finish the stroke. Because I fatigue usually the last 20 meters of my race, right? And I know the last 20 meters are the hardest. That's where my body is just like lactic acid, being one of the heaviest swimmers in the world. I gotta keep my hips up. And there's, there's little things I do. I do my rainbow arms. I lift up my head instead of keeping my head in a neutral position. Those are the things that I work on when I'm in training. And he gets you really tired. And then it's like, all right, now we're gonna work on your stroke. That's awesome. And what else do you do except for, from, for mental training, what else do you do except for the, the actual swimming training? Do you do anything else for it? Yeah. The mental aspects? The mental aspects, I, I do yoga. I love yoga. Um, just, it, it stretches your hips and, and your, your hip flexors. And swimming, you see the greatest swimmers, they have very good flexibility from their scapula down to their hips. That region of their, their body is tremendously flexible. Uh, so I do a lot of yoga. And then, and to tell you the truth, every two weeks or three weeks, I lay down on my floor and I visualize my race. From getting up in the morning, like let's say like, like Olympic day, right? Getting up in the morning, walking down to the Olympic village, hit, sitting there, getting, grabbing my breakfast, to like the details, the details. What I'm packing, two suits, two caps, two goggles, two towels, my warm-up clothes, my marching clothes, and put on my clothes, and then going to the cafeteria, what I'm eating, getting on the walk-in, got my headphones on, music, all the little details, getting to the pool, my breathing, my warm-up, my dynamic warm-up, getting in the water, warming up in the water, getting out, drying off, like every little details. And I sit there every three weeks, I do, I do that and just visualizing that. People, people don't think like, oh, that's a waste of time, but you, if you train, you know, you train your body lifting and swimming, but you also gotta train the mind. The mind's a muscle up there. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. And the mind, like visual, visualization, <laughs> visualization is, the mind can't distinguish reality from what you're visualizing, mm -hmm. right? So if you start doing that over and over again, when you're in that situation, you're ready to act. One thing that I'm curious about 
what was the worst day as a swimmer in your entire career? You know, there's a lot. You know, it's swimming. I'm leading up to 2016 Olympics. I was on track of breaking a minute. You know, there was up to, you know, 2016, there was only like maybe 12 guys that broke a minute, maybe 14 guys that broke a minute. And I was on track. I was on 100% track and, you know, qualified for the Olympics. So stress was out. Uh, everything was right. I was eating healthy, feeling good in the water, lifting heavy, everything, universe, all the stars united. But something was missing. And, you know, I'm still figuring out why. Why I didn't break a minute. Why... You know, and I think the mental aspect, I didn't really do as much visualization as I thought I did. You know, maybe mentally I wasn't as strong to be able to break a minute, you know, and that's what it is. You know, that's what the sport of swimming is about. And I think that was the, the heartbreaker of it. You know, it's like, do I continue there four years? You know, do I just walk away from the sport and just call it a quits and be like, okay, I'm done. You know, I've given, I've given my guts and heart the past pretty much 18 months. You know, people don't really train for four years. If you really think about it, they train probably the last two years or 18 months. The first two years, they're like just kind of like maintenance and just staying in shape because they get burned out. You know, you don't want to be like hardcore 2020, 20, you know, 16 Olympics is over August 19th, August 20th, you're in back in it. No, you know, it's the last two years are really people. And maybe, I don't know. Something, you know, and that was probably the, the, like pretty much that ripped my heart apart. Like I did everything right. Everything right. What, what could it be? Why couldn't I book a minute? And I went 003. That's a, that's a fingernail. 03. You know, like, did I shave my eyebrows? (laughs) So, you know, but I was heartbroken for almost eight months. Eight months. I was didn't swim. I was like, yeah, I'm walking away from the sport. And I started doing other things. And then, you know, like I said, something about that feeling waking up early, I missed it. I missed it and talked to my coach and my coach is like, you know, it's just swimming. It's just swimming. Life has, it's, there's more to life than just swimming from tile to tile. And that's what made me realize. And that's when I matured as an athlete. You know, right now, my goal is to qualify for the 2020 Olympics. But if I break a minute, I'll be happy. But if I don't, it's whatever. You know, I just want to, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to win a medal. I'm not going to be top of those top 14, 16, 20 in the world. I'll be honest. Just because re- there's, there's, there's fantasy and there's reality, yeah. right? There's achievable goals and there's fantasy goals kind of you know and that's what i realized when i didn't break a minute i did everything right everything right and you know maybe i should have started maybe i should have doped you know because after watching that icarus documentary it's like two out of the three medalists are doping i'm like am i not doing the right thing but you know like that's not me yeah thank you for sharing that and i mean it's crazy, and I think a lot of people don't realize who haven't dedicated the heart and soul for like 10, 20 years into something where you show up every fucking day 
and there's no guarantee. There's most likely not a lot of gold, I mean, money at the end of the tunnel. You do it because you love that feeling. And then sometimes in life, you do everything, right? And it's still not enough. So where do you go from there? And to, just to share from my life, I had that experience so many times. I went to these tournaments and it's like, I'm training so hard and I'm, I'm doing everything. And I meet these fighters and they're much better than me. And it's, it's so discouraging, right? And you start thinking, should I quit? What, do I, what am I doing wrong? You start like thinking and then, then you realize everybody has their own journey. Everybody has their own story. And if I look where I'm started, like as little chubby kid who couldn't even move at all and I've come so far in my journey so when I started doing that and realizing hey it's not about what you're doing it's about how can I perform to the best of my abilities mm -hmm. and I think people should also think about that in their own life don't compare yourself all the time to others it's so easy. We do it all the time, but we're all different. Mm -hmm. We're all unique. And maybe I'm not supposed to be the best in the world, but maybe I'm supposed to fucking be the best I can be and go out and enjoy that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. And, you know, a lot of things we get, we get sidetracked of what pe other people are doing, you know, what other people have accomplished, but we don't look at our accomplishments. Yeah. You know, like going to two Olympics, that's a big accomplishment. It's incredible. Man. You know, and, and, you know, being a finalist at the Olympics, the only Syrian finalist in swimming, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. You know, so those are the things I realized after, after when I got my heart broken, you know, it was, it was worse than the girlfriend breaking up with you. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. It was tough. And then, you know, I look at all these great, the great, the greatest of, of swimmers or just athletes, they have a village, they have a team behind them. You know, you know, they got a massage guy, a guy that cooks some breakfast, they got a weight coach, they got, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's a surrounding team. And that's what I was missing also probably, yeah. you know, swimming for a country like Syria, it's tough, you know, we don't do it for the money. You know, Syria barely wasn't even funding me. Everything came out of my pocket or private sponsors. I'm blessed my cousin was helping out for a little bit and, and Speedo and, and, you know, these little, little small private companies that I had to go reach out yeah. and, hey, this is me. This is my story. Fund me because I want to be the best of the best. But it's a, it takes a team yeah. to be great. And people don't realize that. You, no one's success in, in anything they don't do it by themselves. You think Bill Gates is a billionaire because of him? No. It took him probably three, four guys in that garage to, to build that first computer, right? So it takes a team. And you got to remember, you're never successful by yourself. And that's when the ego comes in sometimes. And you got to take a step back. And don't compare yourself with others. Actually, you know, like I have a teammate right now, gold medalist in the 200 breaststroke from Kazakhstan, right? And I always try to keep up with him. I pick his brain to this day. I'm 10 years older than him. <laughs> you know, I'm like the old man and at the pool, but I'm blessed to swim with next to him because 10 years from now, I'm like, man, like he pushed me. You know, I'm not comparing myself with him. Even if I beat him that day, I'm, I'm not just like, oh, no, I beat you. No, it's like, I had a good day. Yeah. That's it. I think that's also, do you feel that now when you're coming 
so many years into your career that you have matured and can have that mindset. Because I remember, man, I, I've said this, this many times on the podcast. When I was 18, I became a national champion. Uh, but what happened was I won the semifinal. And in the other semifinal, uh, the guy uh, got injured. So I won without winning the final. So in my mind, I was like, I'm a fraud. I'm, I suck. I, I, like, I'm not the best. So this whole year until the next uh, national championships for juniors, I was so, like, I only thought about, I got to defend my title. I got to defend my title. I trained so hard and had this pressure. It was no fun. And then I went and I did defend my title or won again because I, I don't think you can defend. It's already there. It's in the history books. It's never changed. So yeah. defending it's, it's just a word that we say. But... Instead of feeling like, yes, I just felt like whew, relieved, relieved. And I don't want to live my life like that. Yeah. It's the worst feeling ever, you know, that we have so much pressure. I know a lot of people that are studying medicine and other tough subjects. They're, if they like the level, we put it in our mind, the level has to be top class. And if it's not, we're failing. Yeah. And, I don't know. Yeah, see, then that comes into the mental aspect of yeah. it, right? We like we're, us athletes, we're never satisfied. Yeah. We're never satisfied. You break a world record, or you go past best time or best points or whatever your sport is, and you're like, well, yeah, you're happy for a little bit, but it's like I could be better, yeah. right? It's just that athletes driven, and that's what makes us different. That's what makes athletes just weird people, yeah. you know, and that's why we have this common you know, mental thinking, you know? So yeah, it's, it's the mental aspect. You can't really like, for your example, you're saying, oh, I gotta defend my title. If you went out there and just had fun and, and just trained and be like, yeah, I'm here just to have fun and, and be able to, to do what I'm doing best, I guarantee you, you would've been yes. For me, a lot of the time I, you know, was too pressure. I'm like too much, so much pressure on myself, myself. And the fastest I was swimming was when I was the happiest. And I have this written on my notebook. I have this journal uh, for swimming. It says happy swimmer, fast swimmer. Yeah. It was the first thing I opened it up. It says happy swimmer, fast swimmer. And I had to take a step back to realize, hey, Azad, you got to be happy. You can't put too much stress on yourself. You can't be like, I got to break a minute. I got to really do this and do this. I'm going to do this. More sometimes can be bad. People realize I want to do more, 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 more. But sometimes more could be bad. So I agree. I mean, even Bruce Lee, my childhood hero, said it. It's, like, it's about hacking away the unessentials, right? Yeah. Uh, that's how we, we do it with ice statues. You begin with the big, I don't even know how you call it, like a brick. Or yeah. and then at the end, you just have what's left. And I think that's something we learn with experience, right? It's hard to be like that when you're 18. 100%. Um, 100%, yeah. Like 2012 Olympics, just my body, my mind, who I am to 2016, it was night and day. And then from 2016 to now, yeah. I'm just like, wow, where, did, where, where can I go back in time with this mentality? I would have been, I probably would have broke a minute. I probably would have, you know, been way more successful in the swimming world if I had this mentality. Yeah. And this is crazy, but you don't get this mentality if you don't experience. Yeah. 
So it's not going to happen overnight. It, you know, I've been swimming for 15, to, you know, almost 20 years. And you don't have that experience overnight. It takes, it takes a lot of failing, a lot of sweat, you know, to be able to succeed. And, you know, and I get this question a lot. Do you like to win a lot or do you like to lose? And I always answer, I like to lose. Because every time I lose, I learn something. And learning something makes you a better person to be able to move on. If you lose again, then okay, I got to work on that to be able to move forward. If I'm winning all the time, yeah, it's fun, it's cool, and you know, it'll get boring. One of my good friends, Michael Phelps, why did he quit in 2016 and he came back? 2012, then came back. Because he was winning all the time. He said, he told me it got boring. He was one, he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it is, you know, going through depression and that, but a lot of it because he's winning all the time. And not just winning, he's destroying people. And he quit for 2012 and he missed it and came back in 2016 and he said, that's it, I'm done. Because he won so many times, it gets boring. There's nothing to look forward to. Nothing to look forward to. So It's so interesting, you know, and, and as I, I'm studying success, that's why I call the podcast I Love Success uh -huh. Podcast because I want to redefine success. And when I, what I've found is that to be number one is not always equaling that to being the most happy, right? Uh, so the question is, what is most important, to be happy or to be very successful? What's your opinion? I think happiness. Happiness, because a lot of successful people are depressed. And a lot of successful people out there with a lot of money are not happy. You can see it in their eyes. They can see it in, you know, in their soul. You know, I'd rather be poor and happy than rich and depressed. Because happiness is what's, what's, it's what life is about. You know, like, yeah, I don't have Olympic medals. I don't have those big dreams. But, you know, if you know who won, who won the Olympic medal in the heavyweight, no one knows, right? Maybe that moment, you know. Who won the ping pong champion, you know, like any, any sport. Who won the gold medal in, in the 100 meter breaststroke in 2016? Of course, I would know because that's my thing. But if you tell a swimmer, he would forget. And I look at that success, right, is a flower. So you get a flower. It's nice. It's blooming. It smells good. But after two weeks, what happens to it? It starts dying. And then after three weeks, you're like, oh, I'll save it for one more week, right? <laughs> and then by, the, by the three and a half weeks, it's falling. And then you have to throw it in the trash. And that's how I see an Olympic medal, an Olympic champ. You know, yeah, it's in the history books, but people forget. People forget who wins the gold medal, the bronze medal, the silver medal, right? So that success disappears, but happiness never disappears. No, I love that. And I, f I think it's like you got, that's what we're seeing guys like Michael Phelps and a lot of other great athletes, even though you're winning there, you still have to work on yourself. And there's a lot of things going on when you're, there's a fighter called George St. Pierre. I don't know if you, you've seen him. He was a champion for such a long time, but it was so much pressure because he wanted to win all the, all the fucking time. And for me, I think there's some middle ground. You can achieve great things and also be happy. You just have to know your core values. Like, what do I stand for as a human being? Mm -hmm. And I think people forget that. And that's why we have doping, right? Because when you start a competing, a lot of people say, I would never do that. 
And then pressure hits, you know, like, oh, I should, I gotta win. And, and we see that in life too. People take shortcuts, right? Yeah. People are cheating. People are doing all these kinds of crazy shit because it's in the moment it feels good to, to be acknowledged or to, to do that. But it, it catches up, right? Yeah, it does. So curious about, so you have made a decision now. This is the last run you're, you're doing. And then is that going to be the last, if or when you qualify for Tokyo Olympics, is that going to be your last competition? It will be. Yeah, yeah you know, it's it, just talking about it. I'm, my palms are sweaty. I get butterflies. Um, something about the sport, you know, that's why I'm still in it. I, I love it so much. And don't get me wrong, I'm going to swim for the rest of my life. Like, it's not just the, the, the aspect, it's the water aspect. Like I was telling you about getting up in the morning and swimming and then getting out. That success, that euphoric feeling, you, you know, it, you can't take that away from me. Yeah, racing is the, the best part. Traveling the world and meeting all these people. You know, I have a thousand friends from all over the world. That's what also the sport has got me. But Tokyo, if I qualify, they'll be my last you know, competition. I'm getting to an age that I need to start moving on and these young bucks are getting way too fast. <laughs> You're 32 now? 32 years old, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, yeah, you see Anthony Irvin, 26 years old, won a gold medal and you see like, you know, Matt Grievers, he's not, he's going to hopefully make the Olympic team for the 100 backstroke. You know, he's 35, but, you know, it's, it's tough. You know, I could go for another four years, but is it worth it? Is it worth it? Because, you know, you really think about like, okay, if I go another four years, then what's going to happen? You know, you start start guessing. And then at the same time, I want to start a family. I want to be, you know, start making money. You know, I want to have that life, right? I live paycheck to paycheck right now. Sometimes I make a lot of money racing and then sometimes I'm not making any money. You know, and I guess, yeah, money is not everything. But at the same time, when you get to a certain age, you want to live and you want to go and go wherever you want. And, you know, you don't want to be like, oh, I can't spend on, on this. I can't because I need to save up to be able to pay for that flight to go compete there. So, you know, I'm kind of over that. You know, I, I love the sport of swimming. And like I said, I don't have that village. I, have to, I came to a conclusion like I need a village to be successful. But that's why it's so much cooler, man. I, it was the same thing in my career. And what you're doing is so cool. I, I love that. And this weekend, uh, just to kind of share, I had such a moment. I love when someone comes up. Like, we went to Paris Open to a karate competition, I think it's like 10 years ago. And there was this guy called Gogita Arcania from George, Georgia, I think. Yeah. Uh, not the state, the, yeah, the country. country. And he came by himself to this tournament, one of the biggest ones in the world. He came by himself and he was in the top. I don't know if he won, but he was in the top and did such an amazing performance. And I was like, that's so cool, you know? So I know it's hard to even book your own travels and plan all. People don't think that, they think, oh, you get to travel, but I get to, it's so much. So how are you gonna enjoy this last month as an athlete, man? Uh, the most thing I've been enjoying is my teammates. You know, because that's one thing I'm going to miss. Like when I graduated college, I missed that team atmosphere, you know. And then now I'm a, as a, pro, a pro athlete. I'm literally just laughing and joking around with them. And my coach, I can't thank him more. He's the one that made me to 
from an, an okay swimmer to an elite athlete to world-class athletes, you know? So I'm just, every, every morning I get up and I'm very grateful. I, you know, I got up in the morning, even though sometimes it's painful <laughs> to get up. Uh, but yeah, just, just hanging out with the, my teammates, joking around with my coach, um, you know, even when my coach yells at me and tells me you're not hitting your pace, I'm not like, my mom's smiling, <laughs> you know, because I'm gonna miss all that. I'm taking everything in everything like just even though if i'm tired i'm just like azad in a couple months you can sleep in as much as you want so yeah it's 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 i love it don't get me wrong everybody everybody in my teammates they just swim and they go home right and i'm the only one probably probably one of the only ones that that still like gets up goes to work finds a, a you know a, an hour or two to go lift gym and then sometimes i swim on my own you know, and it's tough. It's frustrating, you know. But at the same time, even if I had a village, I would be doing the same thing just because it's engraved in me. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm taking every moment, every, every little stroke, everything I'm doing through my journey from now to, to Tokyo, I'm just taking it in and just enjoying it and being happy. No pressure. Like, like I said, if I don't qualify, oh, well, it's just swimming. It's just, you know, I've, I've accomplished so much. And if I qualify, then that's even a bigger joy. Yeah. So, and that's that's my mentality going in into this Tokyo Olympics. That's awesome. And I I think sometimes you know you just gotta let go. You've done the work. I mean, twenty years. Nothing's gonna change the la this last couple of months. What's yeah. going to change is how you remember these moments. And listen, heart to heart, bro to bro. It's gonna be hard when you quit. Uh, because you've lived with this for such a long time, you have like I miss, I miss the element of competing. Uh, I miss, I even miss losing, man, because you feel alive. I miss winning. I miss the teammates. I miss the traveling. I miss all of that shit. But if you want, like my opinion, just enjoy yourself for a while. You know, explore. Because you have the best recipe in the world to create anything in life. Just find something else that you really love and don't force it. Maybe you already found something or explore that. And just going with the same mentality yeah. is going to be amazing because you're not like competing in a sport and wanting to become the best. Everything else you're going to do in life is going to be easy. Yeah. You know, as long as you're, you're enjoying it, you know. No, I do. I'll definitely take that into consideration. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to miss it, man. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be tough not setting my alarm at like 5.45 in the morning. You know, it's going to be good, of course. I'm going to sleep yeah. in, but it'll be tough. You know, it'll be tough not getting up and hopping in that pool and getting yelled at by my coach. It's going to be different, yeah. you know, and, and I've already accepted it. I've already accepted it. You know, like I was telling you, as soon as my heart was broken in 2016, I took off that eight months, those last, pretty much the last two and a half years, I've trained myself to be, okay, this is the last Olympics. Because I have a lot of teammates that, that quit and they quit like right away and they go through deep end down to the deep end, you know, through alcohol, drugs, depression. 
and I don't want to go through that, you know, and I've already accepted it, that this is it, and whatever comes next, I'm going to do exactly what I did for swimming to that. It's exciting. I think it's mindset too, you know. Yeah. We, we got to realize that life comes in seasons mm -hmm. and chapters, and people that are listening now, maybe you have been at this job for 10, 20 years. Maybe it's time to change and be naked, right? And because it is hard. If you're in the regular career, maybe you're 40 or 50, it feels hard. I mean, for us athletes, we're in our 30s and got to start over, like starting from scratch. And you see all your friends that have starting families and all of those things. But we are in different time zones, right? Yeah. We choose this life. And you have experienced so many things that people could just dream of. No, I, I agree. I'm actually in the process of applying jobs right now. And I've been looking for jobs for the past eight months. And I kid you not, I've sent 964 emails wow. via Gmail. And I think like 200 and something messages on LinkedIn. I've had... 15 interviews and 13 of them i came to the last final right to the final with me and another contender and me having some background of whatever i'm applying for and a guy or a girl that's way more experienced and they've been picking the person with way more experience and i've doubted myself a little bit a couple months ago i'm just like man was it really worth being an Olympic athlete? You know, like, because I'm 32 years old, I'm starting my life now. Yeah. And I had these doubts, like, why? Why did I swim all these years? I could have been making X amount of money and look, like I said, like you were saying, comparing yourself with others. Look at my friend, bought a house in Mar Vista, married with two kids, other guy, house in Hawaii. And it's like, it's like I, I could have been me, but then you take a step back and be like, no, no, I'm going to keep pushing, you know? The reason why you get rejected is because there's something else ahead. And the universe is telling you this is not for you. And it's, a, it's testing you. We're put on this earth to be tested all the time. You know, roadblocks. See how you can go over these block roadblocks. See how strong you are, you know? And that's, and then another thing, it's like, it's just people out there, you know, you look at the world, like, it, you know, we're very blessed living in Los Angeles, California. Like, I got a roof over my head. I got food tonight, dinner, like, you know, put, put, put things in perspective. That's why traveling is so great. If you're in this job for 10 years, maybe quit and travel. Yeah. You know, if you're having a hard time, I get it. People, everybody has a hard time. You know, they might not show it and they're hiding it, but I guarantee you everybody in this world has some type of hard time or going, they're going through something. No one's really, really, really happy. If you're really happy, then there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it, I, I love that because happiness is not a definite, it's not an end journey. It's, yeah. it's a journey, right? It's not, happiness is not a definition. It's something that you got to work on every day. And there are times where it's not going to be great. And I, Sometimes that guy in, or girl in Mar Vista is like, fuck, I wish I was a Zan. Yeah. You know, that, it's always the, the same. Grass is, the grass is always greener it's on the other side. side. It yeah. always yeah. is, you know. Uh, 
but I'm I'm so glad uh, to meet people like you, Azad, because you're talking about these things so open-heartedly and without fear. And I think it's so important because a lot of us, we hide our struggles or what we are afraid of. So uh, just just want to ask a couple of more questions. What what are you, what are your biggest fears and how do you work on those? Well, my biggest fear now is uh, not being successful, to tell you the truth. You know, I've I've succeeded in this in this in the sport of swimming, but you know, when I take this next chapter, right? My my live live too, right? I I I like I said, I met this guy in Morocco when I was traveling and he told me that this is my seventh life. I'm like, what do you mean your seventh life? He goes, I've lived seventh life. And he was like, you know, he was a kite, uh, wind kite champion. That was his life one. Then he became a doctor. And then now it's like, it's like he's been through all these like lives. And that put me in a little perspective. And swimming is my first life. So now when I go in my second life, I, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be successful in the next thing I take. And that just comes in from the being the athlete I am. You know, we have so much high expectations and whatever job comes at me, whatever career comes at me, I'm afraid that it's, I'm not going to be the right fit for it and I'm not going to succeed and, and climb to the ladder. So that was, that's the biggest fear right now yeah. for me. It's, it's, uh, it's, you know, but, you know, the fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. I don't know if you know that quote from... I forgot who who did it, but it's just, it's like it's like the fear of unknown, you know. It's like the fear of you don't know is like it's the best fear of of all, and you know, and you just got to be able to embrace it, and take it, and then just go for it, and whatever you're doing, and uh, yeah, and that's that's pretty much that's why I'm 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 afraid right now. It's like I've been applying for all these jobs, and you know, I'm doing everything right, and. Someone's gonna out there is gonna, you know, it's like, oh wow, this guy's driven or this guy's dedicated or this guy's an Olympic athlete. I can mold him to to be who whoever he I want him to be. So but patience. It's all about patience and everything. Just you know, I had these doubts, of course. I told you two months ago I had these doubts, but I was surrounded by good people and telling me, No, keep doing it, keep pushing. And you know, that's what I'm still doing. I'm mean, still pushing, still gaming, but to save at the same time, I want to qualify for the Olympics and that's the goal right now. So I can't have distractions and so on and so forth. But, but then I don't want to just like go to the Olympics and then come back and be like, what now? Yeah. So. No matter what, it's going to be what now, you yeah. know, it's, it's just part of the journey, bro. Yeah. And it's life. It's, it's beautiful to have that. It's, it's incredible. And I know the cool part with starting a new career or doing something cool, you only need one person to believe in you, just like your coach believed in you, right? And I think you, we always align, for people listening to this too, you know, maybe you've tried a lot of things, it didn't work out, or a person didn't give you that job. It wasn't the right fit. You didn't align on the same level. Uh, so just keep going. Uh, just two more questions. Can you talk a little bit about um, uh, your work uh, with refugees and in Lesbos, uh, because my sister's been working uh, a lot with immigrants in Sweden as well. And then I have one more question. Yeah. Um, in 2015, um, when 
the Syrian regime and the Syrian war uh, actually started in 2010, end of 2010, beginning in 2011. Um, that's when I was most proud of being a Syrian. You know, people ask me where you're from. I was at Syria, like, you know, like in their face. Because you hear Syria, you hear the word Syria, you hear the country Syria, people take a step back. They think ISIS, terrorists, you know, negative. All they hear is negative, negative, negative. And throughout my swimming career and traveling, I wanted to show people not every Syrian are bad people. Look at me. I'm an American. I work for the fire department, Los Angeles County Fire Department, which is white dominated, right? You think of fire, you think a white person, right? Lifeguard, and I'm a Syrian, speak Arabic fluently, you know, I'm Muslim. So that's the stereotypical of people always thinking because the news brainwashes people. And in 2015, it hit me real hard when I saw that photo of that baby washed up on shore. And when that happened, I was like, F swimming. There's more to life than swimming. I want to go out there and really experience it. Like seeing it on the computer screen, seeing it on the TV, reading about it. It touches you a little bit, but when you're there, ground zero, Peter, it's, it's a different world. It's a different world. Like I've never been so humbled in my life. If I struggle, I have this page I open up to and I read that page and I'm just like, life's good. Life's good. And that's when I decided to go out to Las Vos, Greece. I spent almost two months there, two and a half months, um, middle of December all the way to January, um, maybe beginning of December through all the way to January. And, you know, speaking Arabic, being an EMT, emergency medical technician, being a lifeguard, I thought like I could just do something for the Syrian people, not just Syrian, just refugees. Um, I learned a lot about, about what's happening. I've, you know, I've met so many people and it's just so sad to see what the world is coming to, you know, closing their borders because these people are fleeing war. They're fleeing, you know, imagine, you know, you're home right now, you're living in wherever you're listening to this, right? It's all gone. And all you have is a backpack and your family and you're migrating from whatever country you are all the way to seek a better life. You know, I, you know, people don't really realize this. You know, it's like they think these guys, these families or these people are coming out to take your jobs, take your homes, you know, and, 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 you know, take over your country. But they're not. They're there to seek a better opportunity. They're leaving because they could get killed or they've lost everything. And, uh, you know, that, that really, like, broke my heart. I've never cried so much in my life. I've never felt so sympathetic, you know, about, about anything. Like, it's just, you know, I went out there with a full bag of clothes and I came back with an empty bag of clothes. 
you know, I've given everything to everybody. And some of the nonprofit organization I worked with, it wasn't the, my favorite. I'm not gonna get into too details, but you know, I just learned so much and, you know, I'm just look things to perspective because that could have been me. If my parents did not come out to the U.S. and get in, be an American educated and knew what's right, what's, what's the future for them and us, and we stayed in Syria, that could have been us. You know, it could have been us migrating to Germany or wherever European country, or we would have been dead just because we're a stubborn family. <laughs> I'll be honest, me and my brother would have been fighting right there. So, you know, we look, I, every day if I struggle or I have some type of hard times, I, I look back to 2015 and, you know, realize that, you know, there's people out there that don't have nothing. And, you know, and we're very grateful. I'm very grateful for who I am and where I'm at. And, and, I'm not here trying to make you feel sorry and, 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 you know, and be like, oh, this and that. No, but, you know, when you're going through hard times, you know, look at the perspective, look at, look at, look at what's going out, out in the world with the coronavirus right now in China. Imagine those people right now, they're on lockdown, you know, it's like, and then, you know, it's just, you, you go down to even Africa. Those people probably don't even have electricity and, and water, clean water. Not just saying just Syria, it's just the world. There's problems all over the world. But me being Syrian, I was very connected to what's happening. And that's what my swimming career actually was more to be able to inspire the next generation of, of these refugees, wherever they are. Wherever in Europe, they, they can still be whoever they want to be. You know, it's, it's very sad because the war started in 2011 and now it's 2020. A nine-year-old kid is about 18, 19 years old right now. No education. All he knows is bombing, killing, you know, shells, rubble, stealing. It's just, it's just so sad, just like the next Syrian generation that was supposed to build the country is, is pretty much wiped out. You know, if you're not, if you can escape or finding a better life in Europe or wherever, then you're pretty much nothing. All you know is war. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I mean, it's crazy. We, no one chooses where you're born, right? Yeah. And I think we, we need to realize that we're all human beings and, and try to be more helpful instead of seeing, and kind, instead of seeing people as our enemy or that they want to take something from us. No one, no one wants to leave their home, put on a backpack, take their kids and walk for weeks. My sister interviewed, like I think it was 12 stories from Syria, Afghanistan, Iran, like... And I read those stories. It's like the, the journey, even to walk all that way from Syria to Sweden or to other, that journey is like yeah. so such a dangerous journey. And that's why we saw that picture, right? And you have nothing at that time. Just imagine the mind. We're talking about mindset as athletes. Like imagine what's going through your mind when you're walking. You know, you have nothing. And here we are complaining, right? 
So yeah, be more kind, help more people in everyday life. Last question for you, Azad, is uh, I ask this to all my guests. If people can only do one thing after this podcast to get a little bit closer to their dreams and goals, uh, what would be the first step that you would recommend them to do? I tell everybody, I, talk, I do a lot of talks to kids yeah. to inspiring them and tell them that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve. And I tell people to use all their senses, right? Uh, I'm going to give an example for myself. I want to make the Olympic team in 2020, right? I'm going to make the Tokyo Olympics. Um, I have it written down. So use all your senses. Write it, say it, look at it, speak it. I, I'm sure you can't smell it. Maybe you want to smell it, <laughs> but then you're listening to it. Yeah. When you use all your senses, that goal and that achievement, it means more than just writing it down once and putting it away, right? So whatever goal you have, you want to go to Harvard or you want to become a doctor or you want to be you know, an Olympic champ or a national champ or whatever goal you have, I would write it down and have it where you, you know, you see it all the time and not just see it, say it, you know, it's use all your senses besides your smelling. If, and if the goal has a smell, then, yeah. then you can put that scent <laughs> yeah. with the goal. And that's one thing I, I, I tell everybody I talk to is, is use, we have these five amazing scents that we take for granted. You know, imagine, you know, for God forbid, you, you know, you're blind. How, how crazy is that, you know? Or you can't taste, or you can't speak, or you don't have palms to write. So don't, think, don't take these scents for granted, but when you write something and, and really say it, read it out loud, and, and, and then keep it in your heart, don't tell everybody, right? Because when you start telling people, then that's when the word starts spreading, and then... Then, then it gets to your mind, and we talked about the mindset. You know, you know that that negative, like oh God, no, he, he knows, or he knows, or I have to prove it to this person. You know, and then you start overthinking it. No, keep it to your heart. Write it. Use your senses, all your senses, and then keep it close to your heart. And I guarantee you're going to achieve that goal. I love that. Uh, amazing, Azad. Thank you so much of for course. doing this. Uh, really appreciate uh, sharing and you being so open-hearted here today. And uh, if people want to follow your journey to the Olympics and what's going to happen after, where can they find you? Uh, I don't use really too much social media, especially the past like couple months. I kind of stepped away from it. But uh, maybe throughout my my journey is more Instagram. Um, it's easy a the letter easy a underscore surf. Um, but other than that, like Facebook is Azad Albarazi. Maybe I'll post some things if I qualified or did not qualify. Um, not big Twitter person, but uh, mostly Instagram. And yeah, if, if you want any advice, please feel free to reach out to me or Peter. Uh, I love giving back. I love, you know, listening to people and helping them to succeed to whatever goal they have because we have experience and I love sharing that experience. I love, you know, I've made those mistakes. I don't want someone to go and make the same mistakes I've made. Thank you so much. And yeah. thank you everybody for listening and watching to this incredible episode. 
If you liked it, share it with somebody, give us a review so more people can find us. Also check out ilovesuccess.co where I give away a couple of free chapters of my book, The Goal Book. And you also have almost 170 conversations with game changers just like Azad. So check that out and talk to you soon. Take care.